BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Friend of a Friend. It's your host, Olivia Perez. Today, we're talking all things hair. And if you followed me for a while, you know that I've been on quite a hair journey. When I was younger, I was diagnosed with PCOS and Hashimoto's disease, two things that really affect your hair and its ability to grow. I noticed major hair shedding when I was younger. I could never kind of keep this like thick, luscious hair. And it became a major point of insecurity for me, especially as someone who was building her career on social media. I constantly felt like I had to look good. I was turning to styling tools and heat tools and all of these things. And it just was a really bad road. But one thing I also turned to that was terrible was extensions. I had extensions for like four years. They were those tape-in ones that stuck to, you know, a full row of my head. And it was during that time where anybody could convince you that, you know, extensions were fine for your hair. They were the better option. But lo and behold, I took them out and I had an entire row of broken hair that slowly had to grow back over time and was super awkward for my layers. So I had a really tough experience with my hair. And On that day where I decided to take them out and kind of embrace my natural hair, I also made the choice to seek out more natural options to helping my hair grow. So I want to share a little bit of them today because we also have an incredible guest today, the one and only Jawara, who really gives us the lowdown on hair. But I wanted to share some things that have been most helpful for me. Of course, everybody's hair is different. My hair is super thin. I have a lot of it and it's naturally very straight. So of course, everything I say is not going to work for everybody. But these are a few things that have been really working for me lately, whether they're products or techniques or new things in my routine. So the first thing that I was taught recently that's been really helpful is to brush my hair before I get in the shower. It feels really good. It stimulates your cells on your scalp. And it's kind of been a little self-care moment before I get in the shower. I remember growing up, I would always brush my hair in the shower. And what I learned is that your hair is a fiber. And when it's wet, it's the weakest. So if you notice major hair shedding in the shower or, you know, it's piling up in the drain, stop brushing it in the shower. I always brush mine before. And then when I get out, I try to let it dry on its own or at least get it to a point where it's a little bit drier before I brush it so that I don't cause havoc on my hair or any unnecessary breakage. The second thing, when you do get out of the shower and you need to dry your hair, do not throw it up and like twirl it in a towel. I'm sure I'm not the only one that's experiencing this, but I've noticed major recessions on the side of my hairline. And that's from years of drying my hair with a towel on my head. So much weight pulling back that it would break my hair along my hairline. So now I use a hair towel. They're amazing. You can get them on Amazon. There are so many cute colors and fun prints. I love mine. I keep mine in for a really long time. And it just really decreases the amount of weight that you're pulling on your hair. So those are two things routine-wise that I really recommend. Product-wise, 
so many people have been recommending this to me over the past few months, and I finally decided to try it. I'm about two months into it, but I am obsessed with Vegamore, specifically their grow products if you're looking to grow your hair. I've noticed a major change in the consistency and texture of my hair. I have really thin, oily hair. My skin gets really oily. So I usually wash my hair every other day. But since I've been using Vegamore, I now am only washing my hair like twice a week. The other day, my hair went to like four days and it was so amazing. I've never been able to do that in my whole life. And I really think it's because of the way that the wash is happening. So I love those two products. I'm also using their Grow Serum when I get out of the shower and my hair is wet all along my scalp and especially on those two little receding spots. It's been really helpful and I massage it into my scalp and it just feels really, really nice. I don't think I've ever put this much effort into my hair and I'm telling you, I can see it paying off. The amount of time that I spend on my skin, I'm now spending on my hair and I feel like all of it is just equal. And the other two things that have been helping for in-between washes, dry shampoo, obviously must have in the beauty regimen. But I also love Davinez Oi, O-I oil. I'm not sure how to pronounce it, but it is so good. I usually, between washes, the ends of my hair get really frizzy. This oil has been keeping it really nice. So I've been able to go longer without washing it. And at the end of the day, that's the goal. I don't want to be washing and stripping my hair all the time. And these products have really helped me get to that place. So again, do a little research into all these and make sure they work for your hair. But these are just some products that have been crucial to changing my hair. And lastly, routines. I mean, I've been taking Ritual multivitamin every morning. It has fish oil in it. I'm a big salmon eater, big avocado eater. When I was losing my hair, I asked friends who I knew I could trust in the hair space what I should do. And that was the first thing they told me to do. Get those healthy omega fats in your diet every day and it will help your hair naturally grow. So I hope those have been super helpful for you. Again, if you're going through hair loss in any way, I feel you. I see you. It is such a tough thing to go through because I feel like for women, our hair is totally our security blanket. At least I feel that way. And I've just been hearing this so often, whether it's from hormone imbalance. So many people are experiencing post-COVID hair loss, stress, whatever it is. I just feel like it's rampant. So I wanted to share my experience and what's been helping for me in hopes that you guys find it helpful too. But now let's get to the real pro. If you're just meeting Jawara for the first time, he is one of the most sought-after hairstylists in the world and has become the go-to for celebrities like Rihanna, Tisselange, Dua Lipa, and more. Growing up in Jamaica, he actually got a crash course on hair at a very young age because he was surrounded by his eclectic family of reggae legends, where beauty and style was at the center of their world. He now brings that creative spirit to a global stage as the man behind some of today's most iconic beauty looks. He's a Dyson Global Styling Ambassador, which by the way, while we're talking about healthy hair, invest in good products like those. Using Dyson products has actually dramatically changed my hair. And this is coming from someone who styles her hair all the time. I notice so much less damage and these products are so innovative and really changing the way that we do our hair. Anyways, back on subject. He's also the senior beauty editor at large for ID Magazine and a leader in the global change for diversity in the beauty world, advocating behind and on screen for more hair inclusivity. In this episode, Jawara shares how he got his foot in the door, hint, major persistence, his best advice for aspiring creatives in the beauty world, and how he's implementing crucial change in the industry. I hope you guys love the episode. If you haven't followed the show yet, please find us wherever you listen to your pods, leave a review, and make sure you follow us. I hope you all have an incredible Thanksgiving week ahead. Eat all the good things. Take some downtime. Enjoy your families. Here's my conversation with my friend, Jawara. It's so good to see you. Good to see you too. How have you been? I'm good. It's been a minute. I think the last time I saw you... Were we backstage at Maxwell? We're backstage I at Brandon so. Maxwell. Yeah. I love your hair. 
<laughs> oh, thank you. Oh my gosh, I'm so honored that you just said that because I just cut these and I'm like, I think I can rock them. Yeah, I like them. They're really Thanks. nice. I feel mm. like I cut them just because I was really bored with my like just flat texture. Was it straight before? Straight like, before. Like, it just all the same length. Yeah, and it didn't give me. It wasn't giving anything. Right. <laughs> and then that. I cut them, and now I feel like I see every person on the planet with these bangs, and I'm like, okay, here I go. Like I'm just gonna. <laughs> partake in the trend i love that well i'm so excited to have you on the pod today i know we've been talking about this for a really long time and you know i adore your work we're both dyson people so we always overlap in the best work ways but i feel like now we don't have all the noise of like all the other stuff going on so it's just like literally just me and you i know backstage backstage new york fashion week that one was crazy that one was definitely but you were in like full i actually really love seeing you backstage because to me backstage is always obviously a lot of energy a lot of people and you're totally calm yeah i try to be because i feel like i you know i i've always been backstage since i was younger especially like assisting and stuff like that and i just always felt like that frantic air of the feeling backstage doesn't have to be if you kind of just like you know take away a lot of the the, the franticness by being calm yourself so try to be, try to be calm. i love yeah. hearing what you just said how you grew up kind of backstage and in yeah. the midst of it all and i love learning a little bit more about your background i know that you were uh-huh. raised you grew up in new york you were raised in jamaica and you have a very yeah. eclectic family so i would yeah. love to hear how your first interest in hair came about my first interest in hair came from, well, I come from a family of reggae singers and reggae legends. So I just was born into a family that would travel and perform. And, you know, they wore elaborate outfits and eccentric things on stage. And I fell in love with hair by watching them kind of like get their hair done and take care of their hair before like performances. But I really, really fell in love when I would stay my aunt used, would have to watch me sometimes when my parents would travel to do these shows. And she lived in Kingston, Jamaica. And she worked, she was working in a salon, but then she eventually had her own salon. And I just fell in love with just watching people get their hair done. Like it was like so transformative to me because I would watch people come in upset or down or not feeling their best and leave happy. So I think, you know, when I was a kid, it just made me feel like oh, you can change someone's emotions by doing their hair. So that's kind of like where it started for me. It's actually amazing you said that because back to you saying that you liked my hair in the beginning, I cut even just a little bit of it and I felt like a totally different person. Different person, yeah, yeah. Different person. Like I went home and like the way that I even put my clothes on that day felt different. I felt like more adventurous to try a different style or even like, the earrings I had on, like it all just looked different. And it really is. I know a lot of people, you know, find so much comfort in their hair, but it really is so transformative. It's so transformative. And it's definitely, I think it's an extension of your soul in a sense where it's just like, you know, your hair is, it it has a big impact on how you feel sometimes. Like it's really interesting. So when did it become, you know, when did it go from like, okay, I can see myself doing this. This looks really cool. From hobby to actual thing. I, I think when I was like a teenager, it went from hobby, but it wasn't so much just hobby. I was actually like, started like working in her salon with her, but like, of course it's not necessarily legal, but it's just like, I had, I, I found that as like my playtime of just like doing it, but I, I took it seriously. But I think when I think about like serious, serious, it was probably like 15, around 15, 16 years old. 
I was in high school and I used to do all of my friends' hair and I would, they would pay me to do their hair. And I was like, oh, okay, this is <laughs> just grew and grew and grew and grew and grew. But like professionally, when I was 17, prior to that, my mom and dad realized that I wanted to do hair. And they're like, okay, you're going to do hair. We want to go send you with your, uh, I have a family member, I have family members in Florida that started a salon chain, a natural oh, cool. hair salon. They started a natural hair salon chain and it's called Natural Trendsetters. They started that hair chain in the 90s. So I went to stay a summer with them. My mom and dad sent me down there when I, I think it was the summer I was 17. And I saw the business of it. Like my cousins owned a chain of salons and I would be with them every day working in the salon to to talk. And I, I lived with them for like a whole summer. And I came back a different person. I was like, yeah, this is definitely where I want to go. <laughs> so that's kind of when it got serious. I would say about 17 years old. Yeah. It's a huge yeah. It's, it's an ecosystem that is like so important in cultures for sure, especially in like Caribbean culture, or black, uh, black culture. It's like the biggest community in one space that it's just like, you see so much going on. It's like barter systems. Like it's, it's insane. It's like, we, where you congregate, you know, where you like, I feel like you can go there to relax. You can go there to get, you know, get therapy. Sometimes you can go there yeah. to get things fixed, get yourself fixed. You know, it's like, this, it's like, it was the place. So it's like, it was really interesting to me to be young and spend so much time in a salon. I think I learned so much about life, listening to people and their issues. And yeah. it was like life changing for me. It's really cool to hear you say, like, I know you lived in Jamaica, you've lived in New York, you lived in Florida, you were living in uh-huh. London for a while. <laughs> And, yeah. But I actually think that that is like, that's such a gift, obviously, to be able to live in so many places, but it must yeah. have also given you such an insanely amazing perspective on just the global hair industry. How yeah. have like living in all of these different places given I you mean, kind of that unique perspective? To be honest, to be honest with you, so invaluable. Like I feel like I've seen different hair cultures in different spaces and just like how people move. It's definitely informed a lot of my decisions on like, you know, thinking about like what people can think about as I'm like creating these ads and these campaigns and stuff like that. Like, you know, stepping into them, having a bit more empathy of like what they might feel, what they might like. And I think that has to do with me traveling around when I was younger and, and seeing different hair cultures and understanding. It gave me a lot of insight, so much insight. And I don't even know if I can explain in a sentence like how much. It's like insane. I think anytime you have the opportunity to live somewhere else than where you're from, a hundred percent do it. Yeah. hundred percent do opens, it. It definitely opens your mind and definitely gives you insight to a lot of things. And you feel connected in different places now, you know, and you yeah. start trips in those places and they, they keep you abreast of what's happening there. And you go visit back. It's like, just, it's just the best, the best thing ever. But I know that from there, you went on to work for incredible people like Sam McKnight, Guido, all yeah. people who you consider to be mentors, which obviously is, an incredible thing as a young person in New York wanting to be in hair. How did you get your foot in the door? Well, before that, I decided after graduating high school, I decided, you know, I don't want to do hair. I had this moment where like, <laughs> I didn't want to do you hair. Rebelled. I think, I think my friends were talking about like going into, you know, I, w- I got obsessed with like the Vogue magazines and why I got obsessed with Vogue magazines and, and, and the L's and the, all, all those magazines. I would get obsessed with the hair in the magazine, but then I started to get obsessed with the fashion as well. So then I was like, you know what? I want to go to fashion school. So I ended up going to FIT 
and I graduated from FIT and we did, I did international fashion merchandising. But while I was doing it, I still felt like I needed to stay in hair and stay true to like what I actually am. So I started to reach out to the agencies. I'm like, okay, who's doing the hair for these ads? Who's doing the hair for these fashion shows? All these things that I love. I saw, I started seeing, I started like doing research and I got so obsessive. I got on the internet and like dissected everything. Like who's doing the hair for this? And I found out, you know, I found out about Sam McKnight and Guido and, and Orlando Pita and, and Luigi Moreno. And I just started to basically just dig and dig and dig and dig and see what agencies they were at. So I would call the agency, get an email for them and send loads of emails. Like, I would love to assist on the show. I would love to assist on the show. And I think I did that for about two years before anybody really got back to me. That's and persistence. I, yeah. <laughs> I love and, that. And then I finally got an email about going to do a Mark Jacobs show and assisting Guido Palau. And I think that's where it started and just started going from there. And I started assisting on shows and I started working on teams. And then I started going back and forth to Europe. And a couple of years later, decided to go on my own. So I love that you went to fashion school. Yeah. Because I think, I don't know. I feel like when I was in college, I had such a hard time kind of figuring out what my lane would be. Yeah. And I studied so many different things that were adjacent to fashion, but weren't, mm-hmm. you know, I took a fashion class here and there, but I took a lot of journalism. I took a lot of psychology classes because I was really yeah. interested in storytelling and just the idea yeah. of understanding how we get dressed every day and understanding what it means to quote unquote fashion ourselves. And I think that people today feel like they have to kind of one track lane, the whole thing. Like, okay, I want to be a lawyer. I'm going to like do the whole thing, but it's the things that are like adjacent that I think are going to give you this really great perspective. And I'm sure that your fashion degree now comes in. So it comes so handy when you're on set understanding how things come to life. It's so crazy because it's like, at the end of the day, I am running, you know, I am my own company in a sense. Yeah. And in going to fashion school kind of taught me how to do that, how to market my own company, right. how, to do my, how to how to do, you know, relationships with other brands and stuff like that. So it definitely has helped me in so many ways. And like just understanding and learning fashion. And now that I'm, you know, I consider myself a fashion, a fashion hairstyling artist. It's definitely hand in hand. And I think a lot of people are afraid to make that choice because, you know, maybe they think that they're going to miss out on the competition or, you know, not be ahead of the game. But I just think that like, like you think life goes in a straight line, but it's like all the things around in the circle that get you to the point where you want to be. Yeah. Yeah. You have such an incredible outlook on beauty in general. I've loved following you. I love everything that you create. And I just, I think the thing that I love most about it is that it truly is art to you. There's always a reference. There's always an inspiration. And to me, I think that that provides so much more context to something. Like it's the same thing when I go to a show and there's a show note on my seat and I am not just watching maybe models walk down a runway and I'm like, oh, those clothes are really beautiful. Like I love being able to contextualize something and see what the artist's inspiration is and understand where that really came from. Because without that, it's just another look to me in fashion yeah. or in beauty. So I would love to hear a little bit about your beauty philosophy today and how that came together. Uh, my beauty philosophy, I think it's comprised of 
like you said before, just moving around and living in different spaces. But I do feel like what I learned and what I saw as a child was such, so beautiful in the intricacy of hairstyling and using hair as art, but just everyday art. Mixing that with what I learned later on in life from going to Florida and learning how to work with natural hair. And then later on in life after that, working with fashion hairstylists and the greats that you know I assisted under, mixing all of that together, I think has comprised a very unique way because my early part of my, my early education on hair has never really been seen in fashion, if that makes any sense. Like, you know, learning, yes, hair, learning hair in Jamaica, learning hair in Brooklyn and understanding like how they style that. And I've never really seen that in fashion. And I felt like that was always beautiful and needed to be on runways. So it's kind of like putting it where I felt like it needed to be. And that's kind of like my philosophy and beauty. And I think that you can find beauty in anything, in any spaces. And it's so it's such a subjective thing, but I do feel like for a long time, what was deemed as beautiful to me wasn't really being represented on the runways. And I just wanted to change that. I find that anytime someone decides to disrupt something or change yeah. something, it is like such a brave thing to do because it's so scary. It's so yeah. scary to like bring something different to a global audience that needs it. And I think that your artistry has so beautifully done that. I know in hearing, of course, and I know in in just knowing your work so well, you've brought so much representation, especially backstage for models who have never had it before. You know, I remember I was reading an article just in learning more about you. And you had said that a model once said that when it would be time for her hair to get done, she would hide in a dressing room Yeah, and (laughs) stuff like that, like hearing things like that. Knowing it's, that that existed for so yeah. long before people like you came in and brought representation to the table is truly such a tragedy of the industry. Yeah, it really is. And I felt like that's one of the first things that I noticed when I started like working at these shows. And, you know, there wasn't much people backstage that looked like myself or had textured hair, to be honest with you. And there were a lot of people that did not know how to work with textured hair. There still are a lot of people who don't know how to work with textured hair. And I found that to be so hard because it's like we have 50 people to do and to make them feel their best, you know, every other model is feeling great because you know how to work with her hair texture, but the texture of hair models would always fall into a deficit, you know, the wrong tools, the wrong, the wrong everything. And I, I kind of felt like that was personally my duty to, to try to change that or to try to bring as much people on to the industry that knows how to work with textured hair and show them the way of, you know, having these people feel like the way they should, you know, amazing. Like a lot of the models had to kind of do their hair and makeup themselves before they came to set or before they came to shows before that was happening. And I was just like, wow, this is insane. I would, I remember backstage, there was a girl with long hair, long textured hair and she, they just wanted to have her hair back in a ponytail. And I just watched for like seven, I watched for like almost an hour, three people work on her hair, trying to get it back into a ponytail. And it was the most mortifying thing to me. I kind of had to walk over there and stop it gently and kindly and just kind of like do it within 10 minutes. And it was like, wow, you know? And I was like, wow, this is insane that that's not the norm backstage. And, you know, I feel like we're making strides towards changing it though. So definitely it was, it was not like that when I started though. 
for sure. So yeah, there's a lot of things that I feel like needs to change, but we're getting there slowly but surely. I would love to hear what else you think could be changed because I feel like we have made a lot of progress, but there are yeah. still things that I think a lot of people- Well, I mean, one of the things I want to do, I want to figure out how to do that, you know, especially, well, you know what, since, I re- since I've been working with Dyson and the tools that we use in Dyson are so versatile and they're so really, really good for textured hair, I would love to figure out a way how to educate people more on how to, you know, use these tools to work with textured hair and, and you know, the maintenance of textured hair. So- Maybe that's something we'll work on this year coming up, slowly but surely. And it's insane because it's like, you know, taking Dyson out of it for a second before I was using Dyson tools, it was literally the hardest thing to try to get these tools to work on different hair textures. And, and, and you know, it's kind of like been the answer. And I'm very, very grateful and happy to be a part of the Dyson team for that reason. Yeah. But also just being a part of the change of the conversation that is how to make sure these models with textured hair and, and coarse hair or like big hair feel confident being backstage and having people know how to take care of their hair in a good way. And now if you really want the science behind the beauty tips, here are some hacks from a Dyson expert. So give us the tips from an expert. What is the best way to keep your hair as healthy as possible? You know, I, I think there's a couple different ways, but honestly, the biggest thing, especially if you're using any sort of heat product, always use a heat protectant. I even know like our products, they don't ever reach high temperatures. They're always below the burning point of hair, but you should always use a heat protectant because even then you're still exposing your hair to heat. So I would say definitely use a heat protectant and be gentle with your hair. I mean, your hair, once it leaves your scalp is dead. And once it breaks, once it snaps, if you damage it, you can't honestly really repair it. So be gentle with your hair, treat it how you would like yourself to be treated. Essentially, this is an extension of you. So treat it nice. I'm a big Corral user. And I know that that gives close to 50% less damage than other competing hair straighteners on the market. Can you talk a little bit about that science and how Dyson products are allowing us to use and get the same looks, but for less damage? So with Airwrap, instead of just using just heat to style your hair, you're also using air in conjunction with heat. So similar to like If you were to braid your hair after you showered and let it air dry and it ends up nice and wavy, the air app is kind of doing something similar, but a lot faster. So it's using air combined with a minimal amount of heat to essentially dry your hair in whatever shape you're looking for. Um, So that's for air app. And for Corral specifically, while it does have typical straightener temperatures, there's two different ways that Corral is helping minimize the damage to your hair. One being you're having to use less passes. So the way that the Corral works, the plates all move as one piece. So the plate is all moving together. With the corral, each plate has 15 micro hinge segments that are all moving differently. So it's actually corralling your hair. I was in the store the other day and they had two like strands of hair, not just single ones. It was like a bunch of hair, kind of what you would do if you were like putting them through a straightener. And the corral straightened it perfectly straight down the line and a competing straightener, like some pieces kind of fell out. Some pieces were like bunched at the end. It wasn't cinched as well as it would be with the corral. So it would also allow you to do it less times. So like how many times have you straightened your hair and you're like going over the same piece like a thousand times with the corral, it's like capturing your hair with those plates and pulling it down straight. So you don't have to like continue to badger that one piece of hair with a ton of heat. Yeah. Yeah. And similar to how its name says corral, it's literally corralling your hair through the plates. So you can only do, you know, you only have to do a handful of passes. Maybe if you have really wavy hair, if you just need to ink out little one piece, maybe just one or two passes and it'll sweep it up. 
you have like such an incredible Rolodex of celebrities that you are constantly working with, like Rihanna, Beyonce, Dua Lipa, like Solange, the list goes on and on and on and on and on. Uh-huh. I would love to hear a little bit about what goes on behind the scenes when you're creating a look for, you know, one of these iconic moments. What kind of starts first? Do you see the outfit? How do you guys collaborate to create something that you know is going to be really impactful to their kind of fashion and beauty diatribe? Well, I mean, for me, it's everyone's a bit different. So the, uh, the approach is a bit different. But generally, I like to get a feel for like what's happening with the person. And what's the point? Not so much to close first, but just like, what's the vibe of the person? So of course, there's a conversation with the team and sometimes the person themselves. And then after that, I send the board to them of what I've thought after the conversation. Then we dissect together. They send back feedback. And then we start we start prepping and going from there for shows. And then we start making, you know, this goes with this outfit, this goes with that. And it goes from there. Wow, that's Pretty like such a... Part. Yeah. But it's truly, it's like such an artistic process. I think so much of what you do, as I was saying earlier, like melds fashion and art. And I would love to hear for you, like where that intersection kind of sits. Like what are some of your inspirations when you're pulling for a look? See, I'm a a reference junkie, I call myself. So anything from the past all the way up until like, one of the main things I loved about going to fashion school is really studying the history of fashion for two seasons, like two semesters. and. I fell in love with that. I love that you just said that because I think that that is so the people that I'm actually most interested in the fashion industry today are people that are referencing history. They're not just sitting here being like, great, Ferragamo just did this really pretty skirt and a top. Like I I follow some people who are so in the weeds of the history of things and being able to pull references in. And I, I totally agree with you. Like understanding and bringing in history to things is crucial. Yeah. And I feel like, you know, there's a lot of times that even on the off days, when I'm not at the studio where, you know, I'm in, not the studio, when I'm not shooting, I'm in my studio taking old Vogue's and, you know, Xeroxing, not Xeroxing, what am I talking about? Scanning them and putting them on. <laughs> I said Xerox like this. Xerox. So, I was like, wait, do they still like exist? <laughs> scanning, scanning Vogue's and like putting them in my computer. And like, so there's like a Rolodex of so many different things and like so many different photographers and so many different artists and like art books. And, you know, I have a lot of, stuff that I like to reference. So it's kind of like going in there and just seeing like what mood is. Sometimes it's not necessarily a hero. Sometimes it's an art piece that I've taken a picture of that I've sent it. Like this is the mood and like, you know, trying to trying to replicate that through hair or like maybe sometimes it's a sculpture. So it, it, it ranges. I just have loads and loads of stuff and I, I can't even really explain how I decide. I just say, okay, this is what we spoke about and I go in my refs and I just look and send them a mood board and it's usually great feedback. Is there a career highlight for you? Um, I think I've hit a lot of career highlights, but I don't know which one stood out particularly. I mean, I made a list when I was, I don't even know how old, of people that I wanted to work with. And I have done at least 80% of that list. So I don't know if it's a career highlight, but I do think the most, one of the most meaningful time for me, I did an exhibit about hair in London. In 2008, what would the window do that? 2020? Yeah, it was right before the pandemic started. I did an exhibit in London in 2020 and 2020, sorry. (laughs) And it was basically based around the hair culture in Jamaica that first inspired me. And, you know, seeing that printed up big in a gallery, I think was one of the most important things for me and was great. 
And I feel, I feel like that was a big highlight. You said that you hit 80% of your list. Who's on the other 20%? Who's on the other 20%? If I could remember, it's a long list. It was, I feel like Grace Jones is a part of that 80%. Wow. Diana Ross is a part of that 80%. The 20% Tracy. or the 80%? The 20%. Okay. Grace Jones, Diana Ross, and I feel like, but well, I did Tracy Ellis Ross, so it's kind of like. But, We're close. <laughs> We're close. We're one step away. And I can't remember who else was on the list, but it was such so long ago. I, I keep telling myself, I know it's here somewhere. I have to find it, though. <laughs> you should. You should find but it I do and frame it. Mentally, like the people that, you know, a lot of people that I did work with on that. Okay, let's talk a little bit about hair trends. What are you seeing right now that you're loving as we're going into like the winter season? Mm. From LA where it's like always summer, but it's semi-winter here. I am noticing we're going back into big hair extensions that I really like, you know, like I'm noticing that, but it's like angled at a way now. But I don't know if I'm seeing that much of it, but I feel like I'm gradually seeing it go back to like this big hair. It's been doing that a lot, actually. So... It's insane. Like it's 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 interesting to see it come back, but it's never yeah. really going out of style. But it's just like back in a different way now, right? You know? So just like big hair, a lot of extensions. Yeah, big big hair, but like maybe one side pulled back and then big hair that way. Kind of like what yeah. I did. Kind of like what I did for like the Tom Ford thing. It's like a nod. Yes. To the 80s. It's like a nod to the eighties, but it's like just with like a little weird twist where it is like this is flat and short or something or braided or something close to the head and then this is like big so i feel like that was a real trend a few not a few years but years ago and i feel like now it's slowly coming back you know it kind of makes sense because i feel like we've been in this trend of like hairpins clips yeah i feel like the hair accessories have like really been having a moment so like to have yeah, half yeah. the hair in hair, an accessory hair and the other hair are definitely one of the biggest trends i've saw too recently i've been using a lot of them on shows and stuff like that I love it, and um, I would love to work on some really cool and interesting hair accessories. So, What's your best piece of advice for anybody who wants to get into the beauty industry? I think people should really do their research. It's such a, such a big industry, and there's so many different facets of it. Um, it's really important to kind of get all the education that you can and just be persistent and don't be afraid to start from the ground up, for sure. Yeah, definitely. I love the ground up part. I think a lot of people think that like they're going to get kind of like the dream job and go straight there. But I think it's a slow to me. It's about the slow burn. Yeah. And I feel like, you know, with social media and Instagram, you do see some people who are at a certain place and you're like, I can get there right away. It's like, no, it's like this gradual thing, you know, but also appreciate the gradual slow growth of it because you learn so much in that that is so invaluable. Thank you so much for taking the time. I know that you are quite literally the Globetrotter. So I loved having you on. Thank you so much for having me. And I, I think that, you know, I'm so glad to be a part of the Dyson family. I'm glad to be just with you. And it's really cool because Dyson has just invested $500 million into... Wait, this is... New. I didn't even know this news. A little louder yeah, for the people. Yeah, it has invested $500 million into giving us so much new products coming out. So I wow. think this just going to get bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. Especially if you invest that much into new products, I think we have a lot to look forward to. So... That's so yeah. exciting. Thanks for having me. Of course. And I hope to see you yeah. IRL soon. Yes, for sure. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of Friend of a Friend. Before you go, make sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and at tiermedia.com. 
And for more behind the scenes of the show, visit us at friendofafriend.us and follow me at Liv Perez on Instagram. Don't forget the two Bs. See you next week. Please note that this episode may contain paid endorsements and advertisements for products and services. Individuals on the show may have a direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to in this episode.